All right, lot to get to on the podcast this week. Welcome in everyone to the final score. Greg Swatek of the Frederick News Post Sports Department here with you. Uh, on this week's episode, we'll talk to uh, the women's basketball coach at Mount St. Mary's. Uh, their season about to begin uh, next week. They'll be at Howard University, uh, Mountaineers. Uh, gearing up uh, for their second season in the MAC, the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. So we'll talk to Coach Antoine White about all of that. Uh, but a lot to get to on the local scene here uh, with uh, playoffs. We have uh, flag football uh, championships awarded. Uh, that, that season, the inaugural season, has come to a close. We have soccer playoffs, uh, field hockey playoffs, football playoffs, a lot to get to here and here to help me sort through it all are my colleagues, uh, Alexander Dacey and John Cannon. Fellows, welcome. And uh, got to start with the flag football, Alexander. You were there at uh, Port Covington in Baltimore uh, for the semifinals and final. Uh, played in one day of on uh, Wednesday night of, of, of this week. Uh, the final four were uh, Urbana, uh, the heavy favorite all season and the number one seed. Uh, Middletown, uh, uh, Thomas Johnson, and the uh, fourth team was Ligonor, right? Yep. And uh, played the semis. Uh, winners of the semis were? Urbana and Middletown. Uh, sort of as expected, right? Yeah. And then uh, we had the final, uh, Urbana and Middletown. It was a 20 nothing result, I believe, during the regular season. Mm. This one ended up, drum roll please... A triple overtime seven to six win for Middletown. Middletown, <laughs> yes. wow, yes, indeed. We have a slight upset, if you will, in the championship game, and one of the weirder, weirder endings to a game I have, I have seen. Well, we'll get to that in a second, yeah. but man, wow, Urbana. I mean, how do they sort of look look at their season because they were the dominant team all year, and they they came one. We'll get to the Bizarro finish here in a second but but one win shy of, of finishing the deal it, it's got to be tough for them to deal with yeah i mean they're definitely it's definitely gonna probably take some time to process i know we john and i are actually john actually just brought this up to me when i got back a little bit ago you know last year when they had the sort of like um like the little sort of pilot league they were doing um it was the same deal urbana made it to the championship game but lost to oakdale so i know that wasn't a you know like a, a, a sort of full varsity season full varsity team but kind of, it's like, you know, they for as good, for as good as they are and as much of a pipeline as they have, they re, it's like the, the one thing they're missing is that is that like you know postseason hardware. So, I mean, it's definitely going to sting. But I think, wait, I, wait, was this a shocking result? I I, w- I would say yes in the sense that like any team not named Urbana winning, especially given the way the regular season went. Um, would be shocking. Now, I will say I, I definitely expected a closer game than the first time because they, those these two teams played the very first um, uh, week of the season in that sort of big. That's big right. Event they, they, at they, they did. Yeah, yeah, and Middletown, middle like like Urbana clearly just sort of you know at that point was so much more experienced and so much better than everybody. They just kind of ran over Middletown. And, and I even asked a couple of the players after the game tonight, and they said fully, like, yeah, we were just, like, not nearly as prepared and didn't really know what to expect. And, of course, Urbana did because they'd, they'd been doing this for a while. So, But the, the, I think part of what it shows is that, like, it not not necessarily that, like, the competition is – because there's definitely still some stratification in, like, the, the, the level of talent, the level of competition, but – it it doesn't take it's not as hard as you might think to like get up to that level 
you know, like 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 it's sort of like a rising tide lifts all ships kind of deal. So, you know, Urbana at the beginning of the season was probably just so far better than everybody else. And I'd say probably, you know, on a on a night in night out basis, they probably they probably star the best team in the county. But, you oh. know, it's the the, the, to, the the top is not as there's not as big of a gap as there was at the beginning of the season. One thought about the coaching, yeah. because, I mean, Urbana, uh, mm-hmm. their coach, uh, uh, again, his name is Nick. Uh, uh, Nick Domalakis. He's yeah. been coaching this before. Yeah. Now, Middletown, you bring in Andy Baker and Mike Franklin. Right. Had they ever coached flag football before those two still? They they had not, but they, they are. I will say Good they are coaches sta- in general. They're state champions in baseball, so they do have, you know, that experience. So I'm just wondering but, yeah. if throughout the year that they eventually called it. Their coaching allowed mm-hmm. them to eventually catch on with how to do things as well as the athletes as well. Right. And, and, yeah. And I think that's part of it is just everybody's kind of learning. And that's sort of, I guess, the one of the big themes of the first season is that like everybody's kind of learning, figuring it out as we go. Um, and clearly, you know, some teams did better and adjusted to that better than others. And obviously Middletown did the best because mm-hmm. after that uh, week one loss, they did not lose the rest of the season, including, you know, including Wednesday night. So, you know, what this sort of reminds me of the Frederick High football team last yes. year, but far and away our, yeah. our, our, our best football team all season. They get to the postseason and they lose in the second round to Oakdale in, in, in a stunning upset. And well, I mean, you have this great season, but 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 what do you have to show for it? And Urbana's awesome season, great job. I mean, they have a lot to be proud of and 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 look back on fondly. But but man, it, it's 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 weird when you don't have that sort of hardware to to justify what you've done or to to show for what you've done. So. Um, but but wow, uh, what a result! How did how did the game end? Now, just setting this up real fast, like these flag football games have been pretty low scoring all season. We've we've uh, like over t- there've been overtime games, weird results. One a couple of one nothing results, which is just the weirdest score uh, <laughs> uh, for a football game. So so we're, we've sort of become used to these low scoring overtime ish type games, but this one it seems like took it to a new level. Yeah, so this game, it was 6-6 uh, six to six at the end of regulation, and we, we went to overtime. This was the first, so this was our fourth overtime game of the season, and but this was the first of those that went beyond one overtime or I guess one try because the the way the way it worked, you know, at least all, what, what we'd only seen was each team would get would get a try <clears throat> would get one try, they would get to do it um I think from the I think it was like a one point try from the three or they they would maybe get a choice, but um and if you you know and if and but every time it ended with, you know, one team made it, one team missed, so boom, you know, that was over and you know, clear winner. <clears throat> when Middletown forced overtime, did you have a inkling that they were going to win? Because like, or, like if Urbana was going to win it, they would have just run away with it and, and won it in regulation. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like. I wasn't a hundred percent confident, obviously, because it's. I mean, it's overtime. But the fact that like they took Urbana to an overtime definitely is sort of the wake up of like, okay, this could happen. This could definitely happen, right? Um, and it's not like, and I mean, I guess the, like, like the game itself was very much a defensive stalemate. Like the first half, I think both teams combined for less than 100 yards of offense. Um, Urbana opened the second half with a scoring drive and the Middletown answered. But other than that, they weren't doing much, you know, on, on you know, on offense. So it's kind of one of those where like it almost felt like it, it was going to come down to, you know, some sort of last minute thing, something like that. Um, and, you know, with the, with the fact that the playing field, I guess, is sort of leveled at least um, in, o- in overtime a little bit. You know, it's it's the possibility obviously goes goes way way up for them. <clears throat> but but what um, what what happened? Like, like, yeah, like. so they the the first um, each team got the one try from the three yard line. 
um, did not. You know, and it, it's for one point. It's right? for one point that uh, that neither team converted. So then they backed them up to the ten yard line for I guess like the second overtime or the second try for a two point try. Neither team converted. Uh, Middletown, I, I believe Middletown uh, came came close. They had a pass broken up basically at the goal line or like just a yard short. So I don't know if that. I don't think it would have got. They would have counted, but th- they came close there. And then we get to the third overtime, which this is a rule that I I think I had been told at one point during the season, but it it, it, it kind of slipped my mind. Uh, and a lot of the players and a lot of the coaches also didn't know this before tonight. Um, the third overtime is the last overtime, and the way it works is each team gets one try on the five-yard line. And this is the first game that went to three overtimes. This is the first Again, game that went to three yeah. overtimes, yes. And the first, well, the first game that even went beyond, beyond the, the, that first, the first overtime. But the last one is each team starts on the five-yard line, gets one play. Whoever goes further on that play gains more yards that's the game. They win. They win the game. It's kind of lame. Which it? which is a really dumb ending. If I'm being completely frank, it's a really really bad way to end a football game. You should have end to, any game in general. You should but, have to. You should have to score. Right. But um. So, so so that happens. So Middletown comes out. They just give the ball to Ava Allen because she'd been she's she was like the main part of their offense that had been clicking all night. Oh, she had um, been all season. Right. So they gave it to her. She only got two yards. So. Urbana, you know, you're thinking, okay, like two yards is very doable, especially for an offense like theirs. So they 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 line up in their typical spread. They do they go out to pass, and the pass falls incomplete, and that's the ball game. They or uh, they are Middletown one because they gained two yards, and Urbana didn't. (laughs) They didn't score. They just gained two yards, and 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 even even if you. And when you do that, you it's not like you, you technically do get a, like like that extra point added. So that's why the final is seven to six. I, um, I would have sort of liked to have seen them since since we have this wonky setup already. Yeah. I sort of would like to have seen them both gain roughly the same yardage, and them having to bring out <laughs> them having to bring out the sticks to measure to measure right. who well, won well the that, game. Well, that that's that was the thing that was in the back of my head because they were like because Urbano they were saying like you know three yards like we need three yards or whatever. But I, there, there was a part of me that was like. Well, what if they get two? Because they didn't. They I don't think they had a second chain gang there to like. Do they have a chain mark. gang? They, no, they don't have. They just have like the down marker, right. um, uh, <laughs> which was uh, which was um, uh, tonight was a uh, Kevin Lynott from uh, the Middletown Athletic Director. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to see so. the Gene, I wanted to see the Gene Serator index <laughs> uh, index card measurement uh, to to decide the season flag football championship. The the, the 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 funny thing about that would have been like again. You you know that Kevin's there obviously you know with the uh, or the, the the you know whoever the chain guy would be for any of these games is there, but they don't um they don't like have somebody I guess stand or like they don't have any marker for like they just said it gained you know like they got two yards so like if Urbana got two yards, I actually have no idea what would happen. I think they probably just would have just redone it. Yeah, but, well, what if someone got two and a quarter yards right. or uh, two and a half yards or something? Yeah, or, or like, or like, that. Or like, yeah, because it's like you can get two yards, but it's like, are you two yards with like right on the line, or are you like just behind it, or are you just ahead of it? So okay. yeah. All right. So, so Middletown won. Middletown won. But did, that's, but that's did all. they did they know they won, or, uh, or was there was everyone sort of like what just happened? There here? was a momentary hesitation because I think they. I think part of it was a them processing like in the moment the fact that the game was over and they had just won, but also that like they didn't fully know if that was actually the end. But then they saw the ref like do the like the the like incomplete end of game signal, 
and then they all like you know storm the field and very very happy and all the urbana um you know everyone on urbana uh sort of you know collapsed on the ground very sad which you know is un- understandable obviously given the given the moment of the situation but yeah it's uh it's certainly like i said one of the weirdest ways i've seen a game end all right I have more questions, but how was the atmosphere at Under Armour? And, and, it, and there were some Ravens there, right? Yeah, it was it was it was really fun actually. They, they did a good job. So this, um, I know we we kind of you know you sort of uh, led with this, but yeah, it's it's a new it's a brand new facility on in Port Covington. They're basically building this whole like campus you know office mixed use kind of thing. But so right now it's really just this stadium which opened in the last like month or two, and then and then like just an Under Armour office. Um, but the stadium is really, I mean, it's really really nice. It's not it's not all that big. But it, it, it's it's sort of you know, it's right there, and it's it's a really nice facility. Um, you know, like like professional locker rooms and and all that, and press box, and you know, nice turf field. Um, and then they and then you know every team got their got their introduction like like they did at the the opening event. They they you know blew up the little Ravens tunnel and they ran out and um, the last the last the championship game they got fireworks with it, which was nice. Um, there was a little you know, vid- video message from John Harbaugh, sort of you know congratulating them and you know on a good first season. And then yeah, and then some Ravens, uh, a couple of Ravens showed up. the The ones I the ones I saw were. Um, uh, Gino Stone, he was there first, and then Nelson Aguilar and Patrick Queen came a little bit later. Um, I think there were like one or two more that were supposed to come, but I didn't, I didn't see them there. Uh, maybe they, they may have been there, but I didn't, I, I just might not have seen them. Uh, but Patrick Queen did, uh, give the, uh, um, give the championship trophy to Middletown. So that was, that was pretty cool. Okay, so we could devote a whole separate podcast to this, yeah. but, but, but you covered this gavel to gavel. I mean, you yes. were there from start to finish throughout the season. What is your big takeaways from the very first Maryland girls flag football season and what changes would you make? So the big takeaway is, I mean, this thing's going to, I think this thing's going to just completely take off. I know we've said this, you know, year in year, but it's, it's a really, it's a really fun and engaging game. And it, like, like the, the, the turnout is the turnout from, uh, you specifically in like terms of number of players is, is great. And the way they're picking up, the way they're learning, like it's, it feels very, like I said, it kind of feels very natural and obvious and it's, it's a really fun time. The games are fun. Um, you know, I think where the changes is definitely like some of the little rule quirks that we, you know, we've kind of talked about. I mean, I think the first thing is uh, kind of, you know, kind of everybody's first thing, especially after tonight is like, don't end the overtime on a on a play from the five yard line that's not actually going to the end zone like make make somebody score that's just a, that's just a better way to end it and just just trade off like just trade off possessions like they do in college it, it, it happens i mean yeah. it happens all the time where teams miss on fourth down or something like that so you often have games end this way it just it feels very anticlimactic right, to have yeah. this great big inaugural girls flag football season and, and for it to end on an incomplete pass. Right. Um, so that's the big thing. My other thing is, is, is nix the running clock or at least like trim down the running clock because I, I obviously, you know, I like, and I understand why they want the games to go fast, but it, there's a point where it almost like, it feels like it's too fast. And like, especially when they're, you know, if the clock is running well, there's like a penalty or, 
you know, they're, 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 you know, they're switching sides of the field, right? That's, that's, that's killing a lot of time. We have more time. It yeah. 20 minutes. It, it's 20 I mean, minutes. Yeah. Like 30 so. or 40. I mean, or the games were designed to be an hour or less. Did, did most games even get to an hour? Um, most games were right about, were right about an hour. There were, I think there were like, I think one of the, I think the overtime, uh, the, the Lingonore Oakdale overtime game I covered went over, went a little over an hour. I think this one also did as well, but, um, yeah, like, I mean, the longest game, again, I covered was probably an hour 10. Um, they were all within about 50 minutes to an hour. So, like, again, it, it, they, did, they did what they wanted to do, and it, it, it worked for that. But I, 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 I feel like having the clock run the entire time except for the final minute definitely, like, take – I don't want to say take some of the stakes out of it, but it, feel, it feels like, it, you, again, there's just a lot of dead time where it's like that clock should not be running, you know, and, like, it, it almost – it almost makes I don't want to say it makes the games go too fast, but it you, you know there's points where it's like you're sitting down, you're watching this game, and then you look over and you're like, oh, the quarter, the half's about to end, and like I've been here for you know not that long. All right, guys, we're running a little short on time here, and we have to get to uh, Coach Antoine White of the Mount St. Mary's women's basketball team. Uh, but elsewhere in the county this week, uh, traditional football playoffs, a full slate. Uh, in Class 3A West, uh, Oakdale hosts North Hagerstown. The Bears are the top seed. Ligonor plays Rockville. In the Class 4A, 3A West, uh, Frederick is the top seed, but has a first-round bye. Cadets, the only team that won't uh, play this week, the only team from Frederick County that won't play this week. Uh, Urbana uh, hosts Watkins Mill. Uh, Thomas Johnson plays at Wooten, and Tuscarora travels to face Magruder. Uh, Class 2A, Walkersville, uh, the number four seed, will host Poolsville, a team they already beat handily uh, this season, uh, winning to face Damascus in the second round of the 2A West regional playoffs next week. Uh, Middletown bumps down to 2A, 1A this year, and they host uh, Francis Scott Key at 630 on Friday in the 2A, 1A West uh, first round. Uh, winner to play either Liberty or Century next week. And in the 1A North, uh, Brunswick, the number two seed, uh, hosts Haberder Grace, a team they played last in the 2010, believe it or not, uh, state semifinals. And Catoctin travels to face Lock Raven. On the private school front, uh, Maryland School for the Deaf uh, begins play in the Keystone State Football League eight-man football tournament. Orioles uh, defending champions uh, are the number one seed, and they will host Delaware County Christian. Uh, the interesting twist to this game is that they played Delaware County Christian last week on the road, and they lost 48-30. So MSD in the first round uh, plays a team that just beat them last week. Can they uh, turn the tide? We shall see. That is a semifinal in the Keystone State Football League playoffs. And St. John's Catholic Prep wraps up their season at home against the Annapolis Christian. Uh, MIAAC game, the Vikings won the earlier meeting this season. Uh, soccer playoffs were down to the state quarterfinals. Uh, in, on the girls' side, uh, Oakdale is the number two seed and will host Chopticon at 5 o'clock on Saturday in the girls' soccer playoffs uh, three, uh, in Class 3A. Uh, Urbana is the seventh seed in Class 4A and will travel to face Walt Whitman at 7.15 on Friday evening. And uh, Brunswick, the number seven seed in Class 1A, they will travel to face Mountain Ridge uh, game time and place had not, or game time and date had not been announced on the site at last uh, check. Uh, boys soccer, uh, Urbana, the number four seed, hosts Crofton on three at three p.m. on Saturday. 
And uh, Oakdale is the number eight seed in 3A, and they travel to face Howard at 6 p.m. on Friday. Uh, volleyball playoffs uh, just getting underway at the end of this week. And in the field hockey playoffs, uh, Urbana, the four seed in Class 4A, hosts Crofton at 3.30 Friday. Uh, Oakdale, the number three seed in 3A, takes on State Power, uh, Severna Park at 6 p.m. on Thursday. And Middletown, the five seed in 2A, plays at South Carroll at 3.30 on Thursday. Uh, so that is a look uh, at your uh, rest of your uh, playoff scene here in Frederick County. Cross country also underway with regionals uh, with states to follow next week. All right. Uh, thank you to John and Alexander. Thanks, guys. And when we come back, we will talk to the women's basketball coach at Mount St. Mary's, Antoine White. Stay with us here on The Final Score. Mount St. Mary's women's basketball team is set to begin its second season in the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. Uh, the season starts November 9th at Howard University in Washington, D.C. Uh, the coach of the Mountaineers is uh, Antoine White, who will begin his eighth season at the Mount and uh, third as the team's head coach. Thanks for doing this, Coach White. How are you? Greg, Greg, thanks for having me as always, and I'm doing well, doing well. Excited that basketball is finally here, and, and like you just mentioned, uh, we get to play somebody else, and that somebody else is Howard uh, next Thursday. So we're excited about that opportunity. Uh, does it feel like eight seasons at the Mountain? Like you, like you, you, uh, you know where all the secrets are on, on campus now. By now, I would think, right? No, what's crazy is it doesn't feel like it's been eight years. It, it has gone by extremely fast, and obviously, I've I've had a different, a uh, couple different hats here. My time here at the Mount, but um, it's going by really fast, which means I'm having fun with it, and I'm still enjoying what I do, and I get to work with some amazing people every single day. So it's making the time fly by. You've been at the Mount so long that you had to rearrange your office. Uh, you 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 you're, you're already on your second uh, office uh, arrangement there. Yeah, you know, Coach Coach Maria had a pretty good setup here, but that was her setup, and I wanted to switch it up, and uh, I left to go recruit one weekend, and uh, my director of operations, who is now my recruiting coordinator, Maggie, she came in one weekend and switched it all up for me. So, yeah, definitely a different look in my office now. If it's my style a little bit more. That's the way to move. If you're going to move, you, you move without lifting anything or, or moving anything, actually. So I, I, I hope you brought uh, you bought your assistant a pizza or, or got her something nice for, for doing all that work for you. Yeah, at happy hour, she doesn't have to worry about her 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 drink tab too often. Well, there you go. Uh, that, 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 that's the way to handle it. So, all right, about the upcoming season, uh, like like we said, second season in the MAC. What do you know uh, now about the conference that you didn't know last year going in? Yeah, I mean, just the, the coaching is is high level, uh, and there's no nights off and the basketball players are elite they're fast they're strong they're competitive uh and very skilled so it's a uh, completely different uh vibe than what it was in the nec and that's no disrespect to my former competition is just there's no nights off and because of that it's made me a better head coach uh, it's made my staff better and it's definitely made uh, our players better as well how have you had to adjust uh, our recruiting philosophy is completely different now. We're, we're getting much longer, uh, bigger, more athletic. If you look at our 24 class, uh, it is completely different than what you're used to seeing here at the Mount. Uh, 
six five coming in, six two coming in, six two. Uh, we just got another verbal commit from a six wing, six foot wing from Florida. So we're gonna be looking different here in the next couple of years. We're gonna fit the Mac and the style of play extremely well. Have you had to adjust your sales pitch to get these type of players? Uh, somewhat, somewhat, you know, the Mac being a bigger, better basketball conference and, uh, ESPN plus being so involved in that, that, uh, conference and, and the conference tournament, how it's held at Atlantic city. Those are all pluses and, and it's great exposure for myself and everybody else in the program. So that's been a huge, uh, tool for, for recruiting. And then, uh, it, it's looking different here at the Mount and a lot of credit goes to our new athletic director. Uh, obviously we know how much we love and enjoyed Lynn over the years, but Brad is bringing a different energy here to the Mount and it looks different when you walk in here, Greg, we got brand new locker rooms. We got a brand new film room. Uh, everything in house is just looking different from our offices to the concourse, everything. So that helps in recruiting as well. Yeah, I mean, do you notice sort of a different expression on your potential players' faces when when they step into the facility and step into the building now than than before? Yeah, I think it brings some excitement to them. You know, uh, we've had a lot of success in this program over the last couple of years, and I think uh, building off of that and and just walking into it, it gets the alumni excited. It gets uh, the current players here and former players excited about uh, some new days that that are coming to the mount right now. The mount was probably overdue for a for a remodel, right? It, it, I mean, it, it seemed like it'd been the same uh, setup for for going on thirty to forty years, right? It depends on who you ask. <laughs> uh, Coach Phelan wouldn't recognize the place anymore, but 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 but, but he, he would have up until last year, though, right? Right, right. You know, so it's 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 good stuff, though. You know, it's um again, when you walk into the mount, I think a year from now, it is going to look completely different. And, and that helps uh, in everything we're trying to do. And it helps with this new transition to the Mac, because you go to some of these schools in the Mac and the Fairfields and the Quinnipiacs and all of these schools, they they look very up to date and modern. And, and we want to catch up with the times a little bit around here as well. Yeah. In recent times, you guys have uh, changed the court too. the court looks different than it did a couple of years ago. I, I think your uniforms have, have, have undergone a, a makeover too with, with Under Armour. So yeah, I mean, compared to five years ago, uh, a lot is different, uh, and, and things seem to be moving in, in a very positive uh, a direction for you guys there. Um, I had your uh, mentor on last week, uh, Dan uh, Engelstad, the men's coach, and he was outlining some of the improvements. You, you mentioned some of them, but are, are yours right on par with what the men did in terms of the locker room, personalizing lockers and stuff like that? Yeah, brand new locker rooms, um, which the players are thrilled about. Um, it's a better space. Uh, it's a it's an area that they can go and hang out and be comfortable. And uh, everyone's got their own personal space and own lockers. And it looks completely different. And uh, we were very fortunate to have a lot of help to get those done from alumni. And uh, Dan helped raise a lot of uh, money to fundraise for those lockers. So very fortunate for all of his efforts. And uh, again, it, it helps with our current players to to keep players here. And then it helps to get some, some better talent in here in the future how have you guys moved into the digital age with all this video out there now video equipment ipads um cell phones how have you guys sort of adapted your approach there to how you watch film and and, and do stuff along those lines 
Yeah, our film room is great. We got a 90-inch screen TV in there. Uh, and then on the side of that 90-inch screen TV, we got two 55 um, flat screen TVs uh, to go along with it. So that's that's a huge help. And in there, you can watch you know, ESPN and movies, and you got the PlayStation in there. And we get to go in there, and there's a little uh, area for us coaches to just plug up our, our computers and do film on all three uh, TV. So that's that's a huge help uh, for us moving forward. Uh, is scouting, breaking opponents down, is that a lot easier now than it was a couple of years ago? It's, it's not easier, but it just makes it a better environment, right? Because before it was in this dark room where, you know, it was just one TV that was, you know, 45-inch screen TV. And it was it's a completely different vibe in there. And um, it, it has our Mount logos all over it. It's got some really cool designs uh, representing the, the guy's history. And then on our side, it represents our history as well. So, um, yeah, I think that it just brings out a different vibe uh, when you walk into that film room. It, it, it excites us coaches uh, to work with our players in, in that new film room. But but also, I mean, you guys, I'm sure you have all your staff to have all their tablets and devices and stuff. And I'm sure you're, you're, you're watching film and, and breaking stuff down on that. So I, I guess one of your staff members could just walk into your office and say, hey, I saw this on the iPad or whatever. What, what, what do you think of this? I mean it's changed so much in that way too, right? Absolutely. You know, cause now you, you have the iPad uh, on the bench with you and you can literally pull up a play from two possessions ago and you can show kids in the moment, Hey, you missed this assignment or, Hey, you did this really well. And we need to continue to do this well against their zone. They're, everything is right there in the palm of our hands, which is really nice to have because you can make adjustments right there on the fly. You don't have to wait until halftime to make adjustments. It, it's all right there in the palm of your hands. Yeah. It's like up to the minute. Like, like you could watch like the last possession, like, Right at right after it happened, it, 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 it's crazy. I imagine all this stuff has been good, but is but some people might say, is is this too much or is this moving too fast or uh, wh wh where do you fall on just how beneficial this has been for the sport? Oh, it's just the world that we live in, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's just how we operate as a society, and it's either you adapt to that or you get left behind. And uh, I, I give a lot of credit to Maggie, who's my recruiting coordinator. She's super talented when it comes to that stuff. So she is the one who's often educating me and the rest of the staff on uh, how all these new devices work. So I'm very fortunate to have her on my staff because she's young, she's energetic, and she's very educated when it comes to all these new devices. And she's the one that kind of spearheads it all. And uh, she's in charge of, of all the instant replay for me on the bench. And she's the one that has it at the palm of her hands, kind of showing the players as we go. How much did you have to learn? Do you know how to use all this equipment? I mean, you could be like me and you could barely know how to change a light bulb. Uh, uh, you have all these devices and I, I don't know how to operate some of them. I'm not on all the latest platforms. I mean, I'm an, I'm an old man by now, uh, uh, Coach White. How much did you have to learn when it comes to operating and using this stuff? A lot, a lot. You know, I'm very basic when it comes to it, uh, when it comes to it all, um, especially the film stuff. I, I'm very basic with it. I have to do a lot of webinars. Uh, that's the one positive thing with all these new devices and softwares that are out here now. There's so many different webinars out there and you get on YouTube so you can self educate yourself when it comes to all of these new 
um, devices that we have here. So I spent a lot of time on YouTube uh, and I spent a lot of time on these webinars because they, they it's all right there in front of you. You just got to research it and kind of kind of teach yourself as you go. Well, what do you think the next frontier will look like? I mean, in 20 years, will we even need coaches on the sideline because we have all this equipment that could tell us so much? Well, I hope that's not the case. I love, <laughs> <laughs> I love what I do. But right. I, yeah, man, it's just, uh, you know, it seems like every year there's something new and there's something different that uh, technology is just running away with. You know, you I, I think it was the Chargers when they opened up their home opener, they had some robots like hanging out in, in the <laughs> with the fans. So I hope that's not the case, man. I like my job a lot. <laughs> are, are you guys using artificial intelligence? Is AI, is AI a part of your program yet? No, you're not that advanced. Okay, all right, all right. Because you, pretty, pretty soon you'll you'll be able to create a player, and you'll you'll be able to create your own player and 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 play for you. It, it seems so. You're right, right. Um. Uh, anyway, uh, you guys were 12 and 19 last year, seven and 13 in the conference. That was good for about a lower middle of the pack in the conference. What was yep. it? A bit of a culture shock f- for you and some of your players because you'd been used to. Uh, dominating the NEC uh, uh, for for a while there, and then you come into a new, a bigger, better league, and, and you're in the lower, the middle of the pack. Was that hard to get used to? Yeah, because you're you're going against uh, new competition that you don't know and you're not familiar with, and we're coaching against new coaches with new schemes and new philosophies, and so that was, it took us a little time to figure that out and. I, I think we do, my staff did a pretty good job of that. Um, as you can see, it was a roller coaster all season for us in conference. And then that last month, uh, we started to play some really good basketball. And that's because us coaches started to pick up on what other coaches were doing in the conference. And then our players just got used to that physical style of play in the MAC. The MAC is very physical, uh, a lot of good post players. And the guards are very skilled. So it took our players a little while to adjust to that. Uh, but again, that that last month of the season, we started playing some good basketball and our playoff run um, will justify that. You know, we were two points away from upsetting uh, the number one seed. And, um, you know, we, we were right there in, in the thick of things. So I think year two will be a lot more prepared and, and we'll be aware of what we're facing going into the MAC. And I guess you have to learn the new gyms. It's a totally new travel schedule. Uh, you're you're totally out of your element in a lot of ways. <clears throat> in what ways would you say you got better the most last year, just besides just getting used to the new league? Yeah, I think we we did a really good job of taking care of home court. We played some really good basketball here at the uh, Mount and in Knott Arena, and we shot the ball extremely well here at home. Uh, the one thing that we struggled with, and I think uh, this was part of the adjustment, was the travel. So in the NEC, we would go away-away games, and uh, now it's away, and then you can come back home. So we could be away at Quinnipiac on a Thursday night, and then right after that Thursday night game at 7 o'clock, you know, we play them at 7 o'clock, you know, get on the bus until about 9.30. That's a good five-hour drive. And then next thing you know, it's a quick turnaround. You got to play at home on Saturday. So that that took some time to get used to, and I think that hurt us on the road because we did not play good uh, basketball on the road. So I think that's something that our players – uh, we'll be aware of, and and that's something that we'll be uh, more prepared for. Yeah, I mean, do you expect a bigger improvement in that regard? Just just having the familiarity factor alone that that could be worth a win or two, right? 
Yeah, that that and and you know we have to play better defense on the road. We just got to play better defense in in general. Our, our defense kind of struggled at times last year, and you're not always going to shoot the ball well on the road. Road. Uh, that's one thing we did do was shoot the ball somewhat. Now for us, historically at the mound, we did not shoot the ball well, but we shot it well enough in the MAC. We we made the most threes. We we're number one and and made threes in the MAC last year, and by our standards, we did not shoot it very well. So I think. Our, our, our defense has to travel on the road with us uh, this year. And, and because of that, I think we'll be in better shape to, to fix that, that away record. Uh, I'm looking at your roster right now, and believe it or not, I mean, just in, in two years, there's not a ton of familiar faces uh, for, from the team that won the NEC uh, and went to the NCAA tournament uh, two years ago. There are some. I mean, Jessica Tomasetti is back. Uh, she, she was a big contributor on, on that uh, NEC uh, championship team uh, and uh, has been a mainstay for you. She's a senior now. I mean, I'm, I'm sure her four years have, have gone by very quickly for you. Uh, but recently uh, she was named uh, f- uh, third team uh, to uh, the preseason All-MAC team. Uh, tell us about Jessica and her uh, development over these last four years. Yeah, it's been pretty cool to see Jess's development from her freshman year uh, till now. And and I think the, the one thing that stands out about Jess is she does a little bit of everything for us. Um, when Jess came in as a freshman, she was just a solid, hard-nosed defender. And that was her role kind of the first two years. And uh, her her junior year, she had to take on more of a scoring role. And, and she did that really, really well. She averaged about 10, 11 points a game. Um, and this year, we're going to need her to continue to do that. Uh, we, we expect Jess to get up to about 13 points a game. Uh, she's going to have to be a little more selfish and, and shoot the basketball a little bit more. But that's why she's so efficient when it comes to offense. She she takes the right shots. Uh, she plays point guard for us. She handles the basketball. Again, Jess Tomasetti is very capable of doing everything for us on the court. And oftentimes, she's defending the other team's best guard for us. So there's no nights off for us, uh, for her. And um, she she's in the best shape to handle that kind of workload. And I'm expecting a really big year out of Jess Tomasetti. Uh, Jess is five foot five, and in the world of basketball, I mean that, that that's a pretty darn tough existence. Uh, how does she just find her space and, and play so well, given that she's not the tallest person out there? It's just hard, you know. It's just hard. It's how she was raised. Uh, give her parents a lot of credit and her family a lot of credit. She was clearly raised the right way. She's very low maintenance. Uh, and Jess is not scared of anyone. I've seen Jess go toe-to-toe with, with P5 guards and not back down. Um, I've seen her go with guards who are 6'2", and I put them on, uh, on uh, Jess on them, and, and she doesn't back down. So I think that toughness has come from her upbringing. And, again, she's somebody who doesn't matter what the size is. She's looking them eye to eye. She's going to take it to them. And if she's got to look up at them, she's going to raise her uh, level of intensity uh, to to make sure she competes at a high level. Uh, folks uh, here in Frederick County might recognize uh, Jasmine uh, Lindsay Husky. Uh, she's from Middletown with the St. John's Catholic Prep uh, uh, here in town. Uh, tell us about Jasmine and, and sort of the role that you envisioned for her this season. Yeah, Jazz unfortunately had tore her ACL uh, about halfway through the year. So she's still recovering from that ACL injury. Looks like we will get her back. At some point this season, I don't think anytime soon, uh, hopefully around January. So right when conference play kind of kicks off, we're hoping to get Jazz back out there. But very solid defender. Uh, she'll add to a little more depth when it comes to our defense. 
uh, which is going to be key for us. Uh, she's a, a strong athletic kid. So it'd be nice to get Jazz back in the mix, um, especially for our, our, our team defense. Uh, Isabella Hunt, another, uh, another senior. Uh, she, she's a big, she, she, she's 5'11", and, and, and she contributed on your uh, NEC uh, championship teams. Uh, tell us about her and, 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 uh, and talk about her development and just sort of what role she'll play for you this year. Yeah, Hunt's going to take on a different role for us this year. Hunt has been that kind of undersized post for so long for us, and uh, she was <laughs> she was our only post defender really last year, and it kind of took a lot out of her. Um, so this year we won out and we got some bigger, stronger post players so we can move Hunt out to the perimeter. I think she's going to help out our perimeter defense a lot. Uh, and then offensively, she's a very gifted playmaker. Uh, that's something that she has done extremely well from her freshman year until now. But we're looking for Hunt to take on more of her scoring role. We still need her to be that playmaker, but we need Hunt to go average about eight, nine points for us this season. And if we think Hunt can do that and be consistent with that and efficient with that kind of scoring, uh, it's going to help us win a lot of ball games. Have you asked her to broaden her shooting range a little bit? We have. Uh, now, we also told Hunt, don't settle, right? We want Hunt to take the open threes. Uh, we don't want Hunt to come down. And uh, if it's, you know, 17 seconds on the shot clock, she shouldn't be shooting threes, right? We, she needs to be very smart about how she's going to stretch the floor for us. And it's something she's done a fairly good job of so far. So we feel comfortable about her shooting open threes. Uh, she feels pretty comfortable about uh, shooting those kind of shots now. So I think it's just a matter of her just uh, making sure she takes the right threes. And if she does, uh, we feel pretty confident that she'll shoot a, a solid percentage from three uh, this season. Yeah. Uh, another familiar name to people that know your program is Jada Lee. Um, uh, Jada, another 5'5", five, five, uh, spark plug of, of a guard there. Um, what will her role be this year? Yeah, I mean, Jada Lee is going to take on a bigger role. Not too many people on the MAC know about Jada Lee. Super talented with the basketball in her hands. Uh, she can defend at a high level, so it's definitely going to be uh, nice to have her back. But Jada Lee's got to stay healthy, and unfortunately, she's not healthy. So uh, whenever she returns, um, we'll see what we get from her. Okay. Uh, who, who's going to open some eyes that will be new to the team, do you think? Uh, Maddie. Maddie, she's uh, one of our grad transfers. Maddie, Maddie Novak. Novak from Stetson. Um, lefty shooter, six foot, uh, can finish around the rim with both hands, uh, can shoot it at a high level. So that's something that we kind of struggled with last year. I, I mentioned not too long ago to you, Greg. Uh, we believe that Maddie's going to come in and, and stretch the floor at a high level and shoot a pretty good percentage. She led Stetson, or she's a uh, top 10 in, in three-point made. Uh, at Stetson, so it's something that she's not uh, used to. So we're looking for her to really stretch the floor, and she's been uh, challenged on the defensive end from me, and, and she stepped up, and she's battling, and she's becoming a very solid team defender and, and very solid on an island. So we're she'll be one of the ones that kind of takes some stress off a of hunt from defending in the post. Okay. Uh, again, looking at the roster, it looks like you have six transfers on the team. So the portal has been a, a tool for you. 
Sure, sure. No, yeah, we went out and got a couple transfers that are all going to be out there for us. I didn't, I didn't bring them in here to come sit next to me. They'll, they'll be out there. Uh, they all bring something to the table. Another transfer that we got is a JUCO kid, uh, Rosa. Rosa is originally from Spain. Uh, spent two years in JUCO. Uh, excellent playmaker with the basketball in her hands. Uh, just annoying on defense. She she's she plays extremely hard and she's all over the place de defensively. So it'll be a nice rotation between Jess, Jada, and uh, Rosa between uh, our three guards. And she and Rosa came from uh, uh, Arizona Western. So you didn't get to take the recruiting trip out to Spain uh, to find her, but 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 you were able to uh, grab her in the portal, uh, which is just as effective. Uh, Joe Raflo, yeah. another transfer for you. Um, uh, she she played for you last year, right? Correct, correct. Joe played for us last year, averaged about nine points uh, after her freshman year at Presbyterian. And if you do a, a before and after look, uh, she's headed in the right direction. Uh, she played about 25 minutes a game for us, averaged nine points. Uh, she was top five in the Mac and blocks, so she protected the rim for us. Um, we're expecting Joe Rafflow to take a huge jump this year. Uh, we're expecting her to be one of our leading scorers. Um, and scored at all three levels. Um, we, we expect Joe to be one of our best defenders as well. So um, I think Joe is poised to have a good year for us, and uh, she knows that we expect a, a lot out of her uh, for this upcoming season. And uh, tell us about Anaya Walker, too, uh, a 6'2 graduate student for you. Uh, she played at Duquesne, uh, she, uh, so she, she's played at a, at a higher level. And uh, what will Anaya do for you this year? She is 6'2", long-rangey athlete, uh, covers a lot of space. She's another one that can protect the rim for us, uh, expecting her to be a high-level defender on the perimeter. And then offensively, we're going to need her to hit open shots. Uh, right now, she's kind of battling some, some knee soreness, so that's kind of hurt her development under us. But uh, lately, she's been getting into more practices and, and getting up and down. So she's on track to getting out there uh, for us. She, she's a little ways away from playing about 20 minutes. That's where we want her to play, uh, get about 20 minutes. But I think she's a kid that can affect the game in a lot of different categories with her defense, her length, her ability to, to put pressure on the uh, paint by being a really good slasher. So when she's all the way healthy, I uh, expect Nia Walker to, to do some big things for the mountain. Yeah, I mean, Anaya and um, uh, Jaden Jamison, a 6'1 redshirt sophomore for you. Um, are those the players you sort of targeted with your shift in recruiting? Absolutely. Uh, if you look at our 24 class, I, I, we had talked about this a little bit earlier. We got a 6'5 uber athletic post player coming in, uh, two-time state champ. Uh, and high jumping down in Virginia. Uh, she'll be here. We got a 6'2 post player, Lenora, who led all of uh, Maryland in rebounding, both public and private school. Uh, we got a 6'2 wing, originally from Serbia, but she's been at an academy in Florida, one of the best academies. Uh, her name is Teo. Uh, she's a wing player, can stretch the floor, solid kid, very strong, good defender, good rebounder, good passer. And then Monday, we got a, a verbal commitment from a young lady at IMG Academy, which is also one of the best academies in the country right now. Uh, six foot wing, who's a 
a fantastic slasher, strong right-hand driver, high-level defender. Uh, they're all long. They're all athletic. They're all very rangy. They cover a lot of space. And I think at 330, uh, Greg, I'm going to be getting another commitment here from a guard out of Georgia, uh, first team uh, preseason in her county. Um, she's like the Russell Westbrook of uh, – <laughs> All um, right. Uh, she uh, bre- she's a handful. Bre- breaking news on the podcast uh, here. Yeah, so. yeah. So I, 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 I appreciate that, sir. Um, she told she told me she's going to FaceTime me at 3.30, so she's FaceTime me to tell me she's not committing. <laughs> <laughs> she would probably send you a text message if she wasn't going to commit, right? Pretty soon on her, but I don't think that's going to be the case. She, she, so. she, if she wasn't coming, she'd like ghost you or send you, send you a text <laughs> or, or something like right. that. So, um, then we'll get her, and then there's a kid that i'm chasing right now from mount verde six foot lefty shooter we're in a pretty good spot with her right now so yeah we're, we're going after this season <laughs> our roster is going to look completely different yeah i mean explain because this has been sort of a pet project for you for a couple of years because when you guys went to the ncaa tournament uh and got the playing game uh a couple of years ago in raleigh you were up against the Longwood University team that was fast athletic and it it, it showed on the court and i remember you saying after that game that this is sort of the direction we have to go, and we have to get bigger, longer, and more athletic. So this has been a project that's been ongoing for a couple of years now. For sure. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. And um, as you can tell, we, we currently have a player, Tess. She's a true freshman of ours. Yeah, she's from originally, Canada, right? Uh, Tessa Engelman. Originally from Canada, but she went to school at DME Academy, which is in Orlando. Again, another very – high-level academy, uh, and you look at her, she's 6'3", she's long, she's rangy, she's another really good athlete. So her and Gabby from Howard, they kind of already started that pro- uh, started with, with that new kind of recruiting philosophy in our 23 class, and that's going to be followed up with our 24 class. So, um, you know, it's it's taken us a little time, but, um, but, you know, again, after this season, and even in this roster, you, you look at Anaya, she's long, she's rangy, like you said, Jaden and Joe, Joe's 5'11", six foot and long. So this roster is going to look very different than last year's roster. Well, where's the coolest place you've been on the recruiting trail recently? Um, Orlando has been good to me. I like hanging out in Orlando. There's a lot of good academies there. and You're not going um, to Disney World, are you? I'm not. I'm not. You know, last you're, 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 did, you're there to work. Not not. I uh, am. I am. But I will enjoy myself a little bit in Orlando. Uh, I've made some really good connections out there. So or, Orlando's been the best spot so far. I haven't taken a uh, overseas trip, but uh, that that's next on the list. OK, well, where, where are you going to go? Are you going to go? Is, is Rosa is she going to take you to Spain and stuff like that? <laughs> Maybe, maybe I'm thinking Spain. One of one of my connects out in Orlando, he's got a lot of uh, connections out in Spain and South America. So I'll, I'll probably end up somewhere with him. Uh, what What do you think of your schedule? You, you start with Howard, but then you play Navy, uh, uh, Cornell, uh, Fairleigh Dickinson, uh, an old uh, familiar foe uh, from the Northeast Conference, uh, UMES, Loyola, Bucknell. It seems like with the men too, like a lot of your road games are sort of regional type games. Yeah, it's all by design. It helps out with the 
budget, you know, a lot of day trips. So therefore we don't have to spend too much money on hotels or any hotels really, because they're all day trips. Most of those games that you just referred to. So helps out with the budget, which means I can continue to go recruit in Florida, which has been really good to us. And um, yeah, I mean, if you look at the schedule, we played my first two years when I took over, uh, versus now, it's a lot less P5 schools. <laughs> my, my first two you, years, you, I played you, about eight. You, you want to win a couple of games, right? Yeah, you know, I got to get that overall record fixed a little bit. <laughs> right, and get some confidence and get some confidence going. I mean, it, it, it's a cool experience to play the Power 5 teams, but um, but yeah, but, it, but, but it, it doesn't help the bottom line uh, that, that much, except not, not the basketball bottom line. It helps the financial bottom line, obviously. Yeah, people, people always say that, Greg. They're like, yeah, it's, it's a cool experience. I don't know what's so cool about it. <laughs> I don't think it's that cool, and neither do the players. So I Yeah, say, yeah. I, I noticed, well, you, you're not playing Maryland. Uh, I mean, and that, would, uh, that would be another day trip, but but I, I, I noticed they dropped off the schedule. But, yeah, you, you want to get a little get a little momentum going and, and uh, confidence built up uh, heading into conference play uh, sure. your one trip is the TCU uh, you, you play there right before Christmas so um, how will that scheduling work because that's literally December 22nd so you, you'll just take a quick trip back and then the holiday will happen or how, how will that work yeah we'll fly out obviously the day before and get there and um, I think we get there I'm not sure what time but we'll get out the day before and, and, and get kind of used to the environment there at TCU. I heard they got some beautiful facilities, so looking forward to that. They'll have a pretty good team. They got some really good transfers coming in, so that'll be a, a, a tough one for us. Uh, and then after that, we'll come home and we'll have a couple days off and reset. I, I really try my hardest during the holidays, Greg, to give our players and our staff um, some time to go spend with family and friends because what we do is so hard, both mentally and physically. So during the holidays, I usually give three, four days off. And then after that, after that Christmas break, there's no more breaks. It's hit the ground running and, and we got, you know, conference play after that. So do you have any Texas connections? I mean, this TCU trip might give you a chance to establish some connect connections in Texas and stuff. We, we don't. We are talking to a young lady out in Texas right now. Um uh, as you can see, uh, we are doing a lot of recruiting down south, and Texas is uh, a state that we want to start to get some players from. So uh, we have covered Florida and 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 Georgia and and South Carolina and North Carolina, and Texas is next on the list. So uh, we'll we'll hit them next. Is the, is the Russell Westbrook of women's basketball? Is she from? She's Florida, right? Georgia, Georgia. Georgia. All right. Yeah, yeah. So we got we got Florida, Georgia. Um, you're going to retire in the South somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're setting up your future. You're trying to figure out where you want to live when this all stops, right? Florida's not a bad place, man. I don't <laughs> Florida. Isn't it too, isn't it too hot and humid though? Too many bugs and stuff. That doesn't bother you. It don't bother me, man. I've always been in the cold all my life. I mean, Maryland's, you know, you get a little bit of both. And then I spent three years in Vermont and it seemed like it was cold. Oh here. gosh. Yeah. So, you know, I wouldn't mind some, uh, some heat. Yeah. You know, it's, it's cold in Vermont in July, probably. So <laughs> <laughs> there's no AC there. There's no need for it. Uh, right. Exactly. Um, all right, coach. White, what's, what's the key for, for, for you and your uh, young ladies uh, this year? We'll, we'll, we'll define a successful season. We, we, it starts on the defense end. We we got to play defense at a high level. I think at times offensively we'll, we'll struggle. Uh, we got to play team ball when it comes to offense. Uh, but that's why our defense has to be so 
are crucial for us. And if we can defend at a high level, which I think we will, this this group has really bought into the defensive end. Uh, one of my worries and concerns is rebounding. It, it sucks playing good defense and then not finishing the play. So that's something that we really focus on uh, this offseason and preseason is, is rebounding. And if we can do those two things, I think it will allow us to get out and transition and go get some easy points, which is going to help our offense. Uh, you know, this group can can shoot it from the outside. I think we'll shoot a little bit better. Hopefully, I don't jinx myself here than what we did last year. So it starts on defense. If we can defend at a high level and rebound the basketball and, and then not, you know, turn the ball over, I think this team could could have a very solid year. All right, Coach White. Well, we wish you we wish you a lot of luck this year. Thanks again for 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 coming on. And uh we're looking forward to seeing you guys get started just as much as you are looking forward to get started. So uh, so thanks again for doing this. And will your future retirement home in Florida will will, will, will you will you have a get will you have a guest wing on on that house that I could come and uh, utilize every once in a while? Always, man. It looks like you got a solid setup, so you can set up at the house. And the other day it was funny. I was talking to Kendall, and she said she had listened to that uh, that podcast we had did about two years ago. And yeah. She sent it to me, so I listened to that a few weeks ago, man. So it's always a pleasure doing these podcasts with you. Uh, I, I, I I just need a little. I just I need... saw you last year, though, man. So uh, no, I, I know, I, I know. I'm I'm a, I'm a very busy man, Coach White. Uh, you you, you, you <laughs> know that, but but no, I, I do need to make it more of a priority to, to come see you guys this year. And I, I just need a little recording studio in, in that in that uh, guest wing of your retirement of your Florida retirement home, and then I'll be doing I'll be doing the final score from down there. Um, uh, uh, from, from, from from your place so there you go there hey, you hey go. coach white thanks again so much and look forward to seeing you up at the mount uh this season always a pleasure greg thank you all right See you. that is uh antoine white uh head coach of the mount women's uh, basketball team thanks so much to him for joining us uh thanks so much to producer graham cullen uh for for uh, putting together the podcast every week and for my guests uh john, my colleagues here at the fnp john cannon alexander dacey always great to have them on uh, to run down the local scene uh, here in Frederick County. That will do it for us this week here on The Final Score. Appreciate everyone listening. Uh, have a great week, everyone, and we'll see you back for another episode next week. Take care. Take care.